Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tonight, snow and wind warnings on the south coast. Another storm front passing through. Plus. It's a difficult decision to cease operation completely. The BC airline temporarily grounded, not by weather, but COVID. And. She extended my life. She, she saved my life. How a fan from a rival hockey team alerted him to cancer and his effort to track her down. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and Happy New Year. We begin tonight with breaking news. New Westminster police are looking for the driver involved in a hit and run this morning that left a man seriously hurt. Police say the pedestrian was struck just after 6 a.m. at the intersection of Victoria and Lorne by the driver of a white Mercedes C300. The incident was captured on camera and police have released this image of the suspect vehicle. They say the driver did not stop and they believe the vehicle sustained front end damage from the collision. Officers provided assistance to the pedestrian before he was rushed to hospital. If you are the driver involved, witness the crash or have additional footage of the collision. Investigators want to speak with you. Turning now to the weather, if you're planning any sort of outdoor activity or travel tomorrow, consider this. The forecast is ugly. In fact, several storm warnings have been issued for B.C. Global's Ahmad Agahi is at Horseshoe Bay in West Vancouver on Stormwatch for us tonight. Ahmad? Yeah, and the situation, as we all know well, can is changing quickly by the hour. Now, we woke up today in Metro Vancouver in the House Sound area under a winter storm watch. Well, as of a few hours ago, it has changed to a snow wall, snowfall warning, but a BC ferry is not taking any chances tonight, cancelling at least a few ferry sailings, including one that was supposed to leave from where we are only about 30 minutes ago. The round-trip sailing for 5.30 from Horseshoe Bay to Langdale did not leave due to adverse uh, weather. Now, BC Ferries also cancelled some of the smaller routes to and from Powell River this afternoon due to high wind in the Sunshine Coast area. Now, although this new snowfall warning, which pretty much spans across all of Metro Vancouver, is forecasting between 10 to 15 centimetres, it'll be interesting to see what the eventual numbers are overnight. You may remember... The area got a lot more snowfall than its forecast during the last uh, event midweek, and it led to um, some snow clearing efforts being delayed. We spent uh, much of the day monitoring the Sea to Sky Corridor, the highway conditions, the weather here, because uh, the winter storm watch and its weather was supposed to travel south down along the coast towards Metro Vancouver. It was calm, it was cold, but uh, the temperature did hover around minus five degrees. Now, was this the calm before the storm perhaps it was but as you mentioned off the top i think it's safe to say a good idea to check the weather check the conditions you can tell the wind is picking up already here if you're headed out the house tomorrow jordan all right and you my friend need a hot chocolate thanks a <laughs> 
All right, for more on what else we can expect with this wintry blast, let's bring in our meteorologist, Yvonne Shell. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Jordan. Good evening, everyone, and a very happy new year. Yes, this system is going to pack quite the punch as we get in, especially overnight and leading in towards the morning hours. It's working its way along the south coast. We've got very windy conditions paired with it as well. It is a mixed bag right across the board, but a few things to, and key areas to note. For Metro Vancouver, higher elevations and extending in towards Hope, we could see 10 and up to 15 centimeters. Now, southern regions is where we'll see those winds really ramp up, 70 and potentially up to 90 kilometers. And we are looking at a transition. Now, we've got warm air that is going to move in. A big concern that we'll be watching very closely is that we could see some of the snow melt quite rapid at times with the heavy amount of rain and rising temperatures. We're also looking at that snow changing over to rain and with that transition, especially overnight tonight, we have the potential for the risk of freezing rain. Once it changes over tomorrow, we are looking at anywhere between 20 and up to 40 millimeters of rainfall. We've got lots of active weather. Sea to sky, a big concern as well with up to 50 centimeters and a significant amount of snow for the mountain passes. I'll have more coming up. What we can anticipate as we're watching the storm leading in towards tomorrow. Jordan? All right, Yvonne, thank you. Caution tape and signage, apparently not enough to stop people from venturing out onto the ice at Trout Lake today. Crowds of people were spotted skating on the thin ice this afternoon, despite many warning signs. All week, the Vancouver Park Board has been reminding people not to go on the ice that has formed on lakes and ponds, because while it may look thick, it can be very deceiving. Park officials could be seen checking the thickness of the ice and monitoring the crowds, but not stopping anyone. We'd already sort of weren't sure. It's only been a week yeah. that it's been cold. Yeah. And then we talked to the, where did they go? The lifeguards over there. They're like, I would go out there. I wouldn't send my dog out there. Yeah. So we're like, I don't know. So we're, we're here just to watch people. There are no, a couple no. concerns for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd be lying if I said it didn't cross my mind, but uh, it's beautiful out there. Turning to the COVID-19 pandemic, and many businesses and companies are very short-staffed right now as the highly transmissible Omicron variant spreads throughout the province. As Kamal Karamali reports, it's gotten so bad for one BC airline, they've had to temporarily ground operations. As Omicron case numbers soar, more and more flights are getting grounded. Now Pacific Coastal Airlines has suspended operations for all of Sunday and Monday. The biggest challenge we face is in our operational control center, where we've had multiple book offs either because of COVID or COVID-like symptoms. The Richmond-based airline caters to 18 destinations around the province. This time of year, usually a big moneymaker due to the number of people flying back home after the holidays. It's certainly a difficult decision to cease operation completely, but knowing that we were struggling every day to the extent we were struggling, we felt it was a better to just pause. Passengers can now either have their flight rescheduled or get a full refund. Earlier this month, WestJet announced it was reducing flights by 15% until the end of January, all because of a surge of COVID cases among staff. The airline says it's seen a 35% increase of active cases in its workforce. We're recognizing that the schedule that we had built months uh, months ago in preparation for the busy um, holiday travel period is, uh, is being um, seen as uh, difficult for us to deliver. Omicron also continues to take a bite out of BC's restaurant business. The industry was already having a tough time finding staff. Now the new variant is serving up a new challenge. 
you have to have staff that are trained in multiple roles because Sally may not show up as the hostess today and uh, somebody might have to step in from the kitchen of all places. Romers has had to make several pivots just to keep operating. Another change that's taken some quick action, the surging number of takeout orders. Before the pandemic, it accounted for 5% of Romers' business. Now it's closer to 20. Everything's a little bit different. Flexibility change, it's the name of the game right now. The ongoing pressures heating up without knowing exactly where the latest blow from Omicron will land. Kamala Karmali, Global News. It is feeling like deja vu today for many families whose loved ones are in long-term care homes. On Friday, the province imposed essential visitor restrictions at those homes as health officials deal with fresh outbreaks due to Omicron. As Paul Johnson reports, there are fears it is a return to the isolation that many seniors experienced during the first wave of the pandemic. Here's a thought experiment. Try and imagine the kind of situation where someone's day-to-day -day connection with others is most affected by the latest public health orders. You'll likely have a hard time thinking of anyone more severely affected than those in long-term care. To not have any family members coming in, it was, it's extremely lonely for them. Jeanette Harper's 90-year-old mother, Marguerite Bell, has been in long-term care in Nanaimo for four years. Jeanette saw firsthand the results of months of the early pandemic restrictions on her mother. She, along with most residents in long-term care, deteriorated greatly with the isolation. While the new restrictions allow for visits by a designated essential visitor, Harper says the maximum duration of 90 minutes per visit is far too short. And she fears a return to the bureaucratic roadblocks she had to fight her way through earlier to see her mother. That struggle lasted eight months and she had to hire a lawyer. And she's someone with the means and determination. We're devastated because it's such a small percent of residents that actually have a designated essential visitor. We need to decrease the numbers of people coming into our long-term care homes so that we can best protect the seniors and elders in our care homes. The Omicron-driven surge in cases has hit precisely at the time when people's patience is frayed to non-existent. Vancouver Coastal Health's very first news release of 2022 announced COVID outbreaks in three long-term care homes. So no surprise, officials are reaching for the restriction levers. While physically separating our elders may help extend their lives during the pandemic, people like Jeanette Harper question at what cost to the quality of that life in their final days. They did this last year. We're shocked that it would happen again. Paul Johnson, Global News. Vancouver police say New Year's Eve was calm and peaceful for the most part. The crowds were relatively small. Police estimate 1,500 people were out celebrating the new year at Granville and Robson. Another 2,000 were around Canada Place. Police add the crowds were spread out and only gathered around 11.30 in the evening. Five breach of peace arrests were made related to minor incidents. Typically, January 1st is a day many people resume their fitness goals, and the gym is a popular place to start. But as you know, the province has ordered gyms to close, at least until the 18th, amid the spike in Omicron cases. In Kamloops, though, a number of gyms have been ignoring that order. And at this point, they have not faced any consequences. 
Our story tonight from CFJC News. Despite public health orders to close, many locally owned Kamloops fitness centers continue to operate, and in over a week they have yet to be shut down by the province. The public health order aims to be lifted on January 18th, contingent on COVID-19 cases dropping. But No Limits Fitness, Ladies Only Fitness and Gold's Gym all posted the same message to each of their Facebook pages. The message says, in this difficult time, our members need us for their physical, emotional and mental health. With the effectiveness of our current COVID safety policies, we are hopeful that we can remain operating responsibly and safely during this time. After staying open a few days past the mandate, Gold's Gym decided to shut its doors on December 26th. In its voicemail, the gym states that it hoped the Kamloops location could have stayed open. And with respect to our health authorities, we must close effective immediately. But both Ladies Only Fitness and No Limits Fitness are open for business. The owners of both gyms declined to comment on their decision. I figure if I can go to the bar and have a drink, I should be able to go to the gym and, uh, you know, work on my mental health. One patron at No Limits Fitness says she feels safe going into the gym. It's not that busy. It's pretty spread out and we all have to take a spray bottle and a cloth and wipe things as we go. So, I, yeah, I feel safe in there. As for other gyms that intend to remain open, the Minister of Health says it won't be long before BC's health guidelines are enforced. My recommendation to everyone is that they uh, follow these orders, which were put in place th seriously, thoughtfully and reluctantly. We will be moving, as we have throughout the pandemic, to enforce those orders. Amanda Lina Leterio, CFJC News. On Vancouver Island, the RCMP's Major Crimes Unit is investigating a woman's death in Langford. Police were called around noon yesterday to a home on Selwyn Road to check on a woman's well-being. When they got there, a woman's body was found inside. A man has been arrested while the investigation continues. Police say the woman and the suspect knew each other. They do not believe there is any risk to the public. Abbotsford police say one of the drivers involved in a serious crash on Highway 11 has died. An air ambulance responded to the crash just before 2 yesterday afternoon. Police say it happened in the northbound lanes of Highway 11, north of Claiborne Road. The driver, who was flown to hospital, has since died. Investigators are still piecing together what happened. They say the other driver involved remained at the scene and is cooperating with police. More now on a story we brought you last night. Thieves have pulled the plug on Bright Nights in Stanley Park in a final blow for the fundraiser that's already seen several setbacks this year. The popular holiday attraction was cancelled for the rest of the season on New Year's Eve after staff discovered the main power source had been stolen. The train that travels through a winter wonderland of light displays is the BC Burn Fund's largest annual fundraising event. Bright Nights was running at 50% capacity due to COVID restrictions and had been closed since Monday because of the extreme cold. Gate donations are down 80%, while online fundraising is down 40%. It's very frustrating. Uh, you know, we, we spent all of November, firefighters from across the entire province come in, they descend on this park, and they put the lights up. The snow is obviously great, but we turned this into a winter wonderland and a, and a scene of happiness for people. We can't do that. And to be very blunt, I'm pissed off that this has happened, right? That people have taken that away from people. And that shouldn't be. Because you've got a lot of good people trying to do a lot of good for people. And we're not able to do that now. 
From November 2015 to January 2017, Bright's, Bright Nights lost $22,000 worth of cables and lights when it was hit with three thefts in 14 months. The latest theft involved about $6,000 in equipment. You can still donate to help burn survivors, and you can do so online at burnfund.org donate. Coming up, suing the city, the proposed class action lawsuit against Abbotsford in the wake of the flood disaster. And later, BC's first baby of the new year and their proud parents as the news hour continues. Days after powerful floodwaters inundated the Fraser Valley in November, the mayor of Abbotsford estimated the damage to his city alone could top $1 billion. Now we're learning details of a lawsuit filed over the devastating disaster, just as the recovery in the community has barely begun. Ramina Dea reports. This is ground zero. You can see the moment the earth crumbles and the dike collapses. The main breach 100 meters wide. The failure of the government to warn residents grossly negligent according to a civil suit filed December 23rd. Two Sumas Prairie residents and business owners, Caroline Mosterman and Ted Dykeman, now suing the city of Abbotsford, Fraser Valley Regional District and the province. People deserve to know what happened in the days and hours leading up to the dike overflowing and then breaking. Lawyer Kevin McLaren specializes in class actions. While he's not involved in the flooding lawsuit, which is proposed as a class action, in his expert opinion. This type of weather event shouldn't cause the type of dramatic damage that we saw uh, that disrupted so many people's lives. No, listen. Families in fear, forced to flee as floodwaters ravage hundreds of properties. Homes uninhabitable. Farms wiped out. Livelihoods destroyed. More than 600,000 animals dead. We have a poultry farm, a broiler breeder farm, and uh, they weren't, we, we, you, there, was, there was no time. I love farming, right? Because now it's everything under the water. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's your life. Yeah. Government ought to have known of the impending danger, given the forecast and the disastrous floods of the past, dating back to 1894, states the lawsuit. We were unable to reach the plaintiffs or their lawyer for comment. The city of Abbotsford and Fraser Valley Regional District not commenting because the matter is before the courts. Emergency Management BC also not talking for the same reason, adding that the province takes the health and safety of British Columbians seriously in emergency situations. The most important important part uh, uh, of any process that comes out of this is understanding what happened uh, and making sure that it doesn't happen again. Romina Dea, Global News. And we will have a more detailed look back at the Fraser Valley disaster coming up later on the news hour. There are few guarantees about the year ahead, but we can tell you New Westminster will get a new mayor. And that's because Jonathan Cote isn't running again. Find out why next. Plus, what new research reveals about the side effects of the Pfizer vaccine in children. Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum says construction of a road through Bear Creek Park will begin right away. 
That's after a judge dismissed a petition that tried to stop the controversial project. The group Force of Nature went to court to try to halt the 84th Avenue extension, arguing that green space and wildlife habitat will be destroyed and two salmon-bearing streams that run through the park will be harmed. The opposition group says they are not deterred by the setback in court. There's a temporary culvert that was installed um, to settle the soil in that area. Um, we believe this uh, culvert to be sort of inadequate. Um, most municipalities are daylighting creeks as opposed to covering them. And we continue to believe that that really should be a clear span bridge and not a culvert. And um, that's sort of the standard nowadays. Um, in February, we're going to see the beginning of bird nesting season, which was uh, an issue, um, you know, a year ago. You can just show you how long this uh, thing's been going on for, right? Because um, they, were, they were doing surveying. Uh, during the last bird nesting season. So um, in Burnaby, we saw TMX stopped by a single hummingbird nest. We might see something similar like that happen here. Um, we're also uh, pursuing um, issues around the BC Hydro Towers, which are in this area. Um, it's going to probably cost up to $10 million for this to be uh, raised to uh, meet uh, BC Hydro standards. The Safe Surrey Coalition majority approved the project in the summer 5-4. to four. In a statement, McCallum says the extension is necessary to alleviate traffic congestion between Newton and Fleetwood, while also increasing safety to pedestrians and drivers. The mayor of New Westminster is ringing in the new year by announcing that he is not seeking re-election in this year's upcoming civic vote. Jonathan Cote made the announcement in a series of social media posts this morning. He says he's been surrounded by family and friends over the holidays, and that has given him clarity and peace regarding his future. Cote was first elected in 2005 and served three terms on city council. In 2014, he was elected mayor and re-elected in 2018. Cote says he is proud of what New Westminster was able to accomplish, and he is grateful to be able to contribute towards that success despite challenges the city has faced in the past two years. At Calgary International Airport, New Year's Eve turned out to be a little more chaotic than some international passengers had bargained for. Police were called to the airport following a disturbance involving members of the Russian Junior World Hockey Team Friday afternoon. Passengers on Air Canada Flight 848 reported loud music, people smoking cigarettes, and unruly players refusing to sit down or wear masks. Dr. Kathleen Scherf, who was on the flight to Frankfurt, says she was delayed three hours after police swarmed the plane and asked all the passengers to get off. She told Global News that some of the Russian team players appeared to have been drinking. They weren't able to be seated all together, and they wanted to be, so I guess they were harassing passengers to move and let them sit together. Their masks were hanging down below their faces. Um, I don't know about, I heard someone wanted to light a cigarette. I don't know. Um, but uh, I heard vaping and that there was open liquor from the duty-free. Most passengers, including members of the Finnish and Czech junior teams, were allowed to return to their seats. No word yet on the status of the Russian team or whether any charges will be laid. The International Ice Hockey Federation is looking into possible ethics violations. In Health Matters tonight, new research from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control says the Pfizer vaccine causes mostly mild side effects in children aged 5 to 11. The data shows, much like adults, some kids reported pain at the injection site. 
and fatigue and headaches after the second dose. The CDC says it has also received reports of 11 cases of heart inflammation in this age group. The findings are based on about 8 million doses already given. Just ahead tonight, jumping straight into the new year. A snowy polar bear dip in Vancouver today. Find out how the water was coming right up. The first B.C. child to be born in 2022 was welcomed into the world in Victoria. And it's a boy. You'll see him in just a moment. He was born at Victoria General Hospital. There he is at 12.04 this morning. The still unnamed baby weighs in at 6 pounds, 6 ounces. He is the first child of Shauna White and Ismail Grimwood. Big congratulations to the entire family. Very cute. Let's uh, get a closer <laughs> look at the weather now, Yvonne. You have lots to talk about on this holiday. Yeah, and temperatures, uh, they're going to be warming up overnight. That's why we're going to be watching that transition. But we are going to see the bulk of the moisture pick up, especially overnight leading in towards the morning hours. We'll be close to hovering the freezing mark, so that's why we could see a stall in, the, in terms of the precipitation changing over. But a heads up, we've got a significant amount of rain that will follow through the day for tomorrow, and temperatures will be gump- bumping up to 4 degrees. We've got a few flurries in the mix now, just working its way across the island, but we can see that a closer look at the warnings it's really for higher elevations the northeastern corners coquitlam maple ridge and then extending into the fraser valley that will see that accumulating snowfall anywhere between 10 and up to 15 centimeters and then it's southern regions that will see that wind warning that's in red with the potential to see those winds anywhere between 70 and up to 90 kilometers per hour now along the sunshine coast inland areas across the island and the eastern edge could see those snowfall amounts between 15 and up to 20 centimeters and we are seeing the potential for that rain or snow rather changing over to rain to be delayed when we get heavier rainfall sometimes it causes heavy snowfall first and then we will be looking at that changing over along the Fraser Canyon as well we have upwards of 30 and 50 centimeters of snowfall central coast could also see up to 30 centimeters and areas along the Pine Pass as well as Williston 15 and up to 25 centimeters is possible and extreme cold still included within that the peace and areas near Fort Nelson with the wind chills into the minus So lots of active weather right across the board, but we are looking at milder temperatures moving in along the south coast. The winds will ramp up, continuing through the day. Gusts between, or potentially between 50 and up to 70, and a few spots near the strait could get up to 90 kilometers per hour. We'll continue to see those windy conditions extending in towards the evening hours for tomorrow. So a mixed bag right across the board, and the snowfall amounts for the mountain passes. Now the sea to sky will continue to see that snowfall heavy for tomorrow, 25 and up to 50 centimeters, but all other mountain passes. Check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions, but we will continue to see that snow and heavy at times continuing into Monday before it really does start to taper off. Snow mixed with rain along the coast for tomorrow. Inland, we'll still see some heavy snowfall, especially for the central interior. Much of the southern interior, it's the mountain passes, higher elevations, snow and heavy at times for Sunday. And along the south coast, we'll be seeing snow changing over to rain. We've also got the potential or the risk of freezing rain. Very windy conditions tomorrow. Gusts potentially up to 90 kilometers per hour. Once we get past tomorrow, though, we can look ahead into early next week. We are looking at milder temperatures above the freezing mark and closer to the average for this time of the year with highs up to 5 degrees. Jordan. The big melt will be on. Thanks, Yvonne. Vancouver's official polar bear swim was canceled, but that didn't stop some brave souls from taking the plunge today. It's feeling great. Very excited. Well, that's what he said before he went into the frigid water at Sunset Beach. You'll hear the after in a moment. 
Today's water temperature, a balmy 5.4 degrees Celsius. Many of the participants, including veteran Vancouver Sun crime reporter Kim Boland, just couldn't resist the opportunity to do the swim and get a selfie with the famous English Bay Barge. As for how that water felt... Oh my goodness. You came out pretty quick. Yeah, it's cold, but it's great. Everyone should do it. At least once in your life. It's, it's really refreshing. So would you do it? I like watching people do it. Yeah. I would do it. I guess I could do it once. But. I'll have to say, though, it's a lot more polar bear this year than it has mm. been really? in previous With years. Maybe snow. just a brown or black bear previously, yeah. <laughs> for Vancouver anyway. But uh, give them credit for having lots of courage. Yeah, indeed. I'll do it maybe when there's no snow on the ground. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Barry, what's coming up in sports? Uh, well, Canucks are in Seattle tonight. The last time they were there, which was very early in the season, they won to go a game up on 500, and they actually have an opportunity to do that again thanks to their big uh, win streak under Bruce Boudreaux, so we'll set that game up. And we have another Olympic feature on one of our fine bobsledders, Cynthia Appia. She's in the uh, sport of monobob, which is like what it sounds like. It's a one-man person going down the uh, bobsled track takes a special skill set. So we'll have Cynthia's story when we come back as well. Good stuff. Also coming up, a Canuck searches for his hero. The incredible story of a team staffer whose cancer was spotted by a fan in passing. And now he's found her to say thank you. In a year that saw a continuing pandemic, a deadly heat dome and destructive wildfires, there was still another cruel punch waiting in the wings. A storm moved through B.C. from the coast to the interior, bringing an atmospheric river that would cause some of the worst flooding ever seen. Highways were washed out, people were stranded, farmland flooded, animals perished. Global's Aaron MacArthur reports. The trail of destruction stretched from the Sumas Prairie up the Coquihalla and into the southern interior. The floods washing away livelihoods, drowning homes, and severing vital transportation links. The scope of the damage, still hard to grasp. Burst through the basement doors, knocked it right off the hinges, and uh, yeah, she came in really quick. The month of November saw three consecutive atmospheric rivers slam head-on into B.C. The first storm hit the weekend after Remembrance Day. So much rain fell, records for precipitation were shattered in just three days. By the morning of November 15th, the water was so high in the Coldwater River in Merritt, whole neighborhoods were flooded. The sewage treatment plant was no longer able to function. Officials forced to order a citywide evacuation. Completely blew past our 200-year floodplain projections in a matter of hours. Rain is gone. On the mountain passes, the roads were impassable. The Coquihalla suffered breaks at bridges west of the Great Bear Snowshed. Highway 1 severed in the Fraser Canyon and along the Thompson River. Highway 99 between Lillooet and Pemberton was cut off by multiple landslides. Debris blocked dozens of drivers on the highway before another one knocked cars and people into the river below. Four people dead. Global cameraman Mike Timbrell witnessed it all firsthand. I thought it was a goner. I turned around, looked to my truck. It was half buried, and all the cars that were on the road and all the people, they were just gone. Landslides also blocked Highway 7 and the Trans-Canada. Hope cut off in every direction for the better part of a week 
A thousand people who were passing through were trapped in the community as it dealt with its own flooding issues. The tiny hospital forced to deal with multiple critical injuries with one doctor and four nurses on shift. We did get some very uh, seriously injured victims. On the Sumas Prairie, the concern wasn't landslides, but simply the sheer volume of water. The Nooksack River in Washington State, swollen from snowmelt on Mount Baker, burst its banks and started pouring north into Canada. In a matter of hours, some of BC's most productive farmland was meters underwater. Evacuation orders given and in some cases ignored. Farmers not willing to let their life's work go under. There was so much water, the pump and canal system designed a century ago to keep the Sumas Prairie dry was in danger of failing. Search and rescue crews spent days plucking people out of harm's way by helicopter and boat. When the rain from the initial atmospheric river finally stopped, the work was just beginning. Farm animals moved to higher, drier ground. Not all could be saved. 500 head of cattle, tens of thousands of chickens drowned. Millions of dollars worth of blueberry crops, a total loss. Barns, equipment, homes ruined. Much of the losses uninsured. You know, it takes 10 years to get where we were before this flood. Flood insurance is, is not offered here on the plains. Repairs to all the infrastructure will take months, if not years, to complete. As November turned to December, train traffic took weeks to restart. Highway traffic restricted to commercial vehicles only. The Trans Mountain Pipeline restored to full capacity by the middle of December. Drivers forced to ration gasoline to protect a dwindling supply. The cost to clean up will take years to sort out, but early estimates put insured losses at around $450 million. The total bill? Likely 10 times that much. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Can Vancouver return to its winning ways? The Canucks taking on the Kraken tonight. And Barry has a preview when we come back. Join us in supporting British Columbians who need our help. Global BC, 980 CKNW, AM730 and Global Okanagan are partnering for BC Together in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to donate to an organization of your choice that are helping communities in need. Learn about the connection to the magnificent orca at the Royal BC Museum exhibit Orcas Our Shared Future. Dig into the science, popular culture and indigenous beliefs to gain a new appreciation of these sophisticated animals. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's here, but just barely. Should mm -hmm. we quickly tell that story? Well, they always mop the stairs just before I come down, so i got to be careful. You know, so. <laughs> but I made it He's safely. okay. Again, I'm all right. I'm going to be okay. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> The uh, Canucks will try to start a new win streak tonight in Seattle against the Kraken. They will have to do it without forward Jason Dickinson, who was the latest Canuck placed into COVID protocol today, joining Brock Besser and Jason Dowling. It's the Canucks' third game in four days, but they can really empty the tank because they won't play again until next Saturday at home to Ottawa. The Canucks-Islanders game scheduled for Wednesday at Rogers Arena was postponed to a later date when the Canucks can hopefully have full attendance. But the erratic schedule is just a fact of life right now in today's NHL. Well, we haven't played many games uh, at all um, for a while now, other, other than the 
the, this three games here. We missed a few before. We're going to miss a few after. Um, you're right. But, I mean, I look around the league and, and I see every team going through the same thing. So, you know what? The, we just have to persevere and, and, and hope it works out in our favor. Yeah, we're not we're not perfect. I mean, uh, our first periods have got to get better, and uh, you know, as a coaching staff, we're trying to find different things um, that might jumpstart them. But in invariably, in the end, that it uh, it's up to the individual player to come prepared for the game and not dip their toe in the water and see how the game's going before we start to start to play the game. I mean, we, when we start to be able to play 60 minutes uh, of a com complete game, then I will think that, you know, we're becoming a good team. It's a very special return visit to Seattle tonight for Canucks longtime assistant equipment manager, Brian Red Hamilton. It's got nothing to do with hockey, but a Kraken fan literally saved his life during the Canucks' first visit to Seattle back in October. Kristen Robinson will have Hamilton's very emotional and uplifting story at the end of the newscast. You won't want to miss it, and it will warm your heart during these very trying times. NHL today, Oilers and Islanders from New York. Second period tied at one. From the scramble, defenseman Darnell Nurse up on the play, and he will knuckle one in to give Edmonton a 2-1 lead after two. But the Isles tie it in the third. Nice pressure to force the turnover, and it's Anthony Beauvillier who will flip it past Miko Koskinen, and that ties it up 2-2. We would need overtime. Matthew Barzell to Noah Dobson, and he will skate in and fire it past Koskinen with the wrister. The Islanders win it 3-2. The Oilers' second straight overtime loss. Habs and Panthers, Canadians with 11 regulars on the COVID list. Basically an AHL team. They had just 16 skaters taking on a loaded Panthers team that's very near the top of the standings. But the Habs actually took the lead in this one. Nick Suzuki has got an open net. He doesn't miss. 2-1 Canadians, but they were so undermanned they could not hold the Panthers off for the entire 60. Frank Vetrano going to the net to flex in the Sam Reinhart pass. The West Van native Reinhardt enjoying life in Florida. He's having a good year there in his first season. 3-2 Panthers, early third. Former Flames Sam Bennett with his 11th. Nifty deflection in the slot. Florida wins at 5-2. Habs don't play now for 11 days, postponing home games because of the Canadian attendance restrictions. They're heading back to Montreal. will lock down and then hopefully get those affected players back on their roster in time for their next game, January 12th. Outdoor hockey for Minnesota. A frigid minus 22 Celsius for the Winter Classic. Wild and St. Louis Blues. Coldest outdoor game ever. But hey, Minnesota fans are hardy. Before the game, the Blues with their beach wear. Hey, it's all in the mind to stay warm. Second period, 2-1 Blues, and they'll add to the lead. Vladimir Tarasenko with a hot shot, a one-timer blast. 3-1 St. Louis. Jordan Cairo is a very good young player. What a night he's having. Gets his second of the game. Fourth point of the night for Cairo, which is an NHL uh, outdoor record. Update now, 6-3 Blues in the third. And Sens and Leafs, Toronto's first game since December 14th in Edmonton. Eight straight postponed games, playing in front of no fans tonight because of the attendance restrictions in Ontario. Leafs took the financial hit. They said, hey, we got to play because you haven't played for so long. And they look pretty good. They got a couple of shorthanded goals in the first. Justin Hall beats Matt Murray to make it 1-0, and they weren't done yet as Ilya Mikheyev got the first of his two on the night, and the Leafs go on to beat the Senators 6 to nothing. 
NHLers may not be going to the Beijing Olympics, and that's disappointing for sure, but there are so many inspirational stories from Canadian athletes who really only get attention at the Olympic Games. Toronto's Cynthia Appia was a university track and field star a few years ago, excelling in hammer throw, shot put, and discus. But in order to make the Olympics, Appia needed to change her course. That took her to bobsledding. And now she's one of the top women's drivers in the relatively new sport of monobob. What an opportunity now for Cynthia Appia of Canada. Cynthia Appia has taken advantage of the opportunity of competing in the relatively new sport of monobob, which is basically a one-person show. You push, you drive, and she's had instant results. Three straight World Cup podium finishes, a bronze and two silvers. And she's basically a new driver. She's competing against far more experienced pilots who've literally had ten times more trips down World Cup tracks. It's impressive how far, how fast she's come driving a bobsled. A lot of people take about eight years to really fully develop as a pilot, and I don't think I'm anywhere near um, fully developed, but to see some of the successes rolling in right now and hearing other people noticing it and commenting on it, it's pretty exciting. The future is so bright for Appia, but it almost didn't happen. She nearly quit the sport in 2018 after being left off the Canadian bobsled team at the Pyeongchang Olympics. But she used that bitter disappointment to fuel her fire to come back better than ever. The decision to leave me off of the Olympic team was a mistake and I want to make sure that I let people know let those decision makers know, any doubters know that I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back fighting. Appy is also fighting to combat stereotypes that black athletes are more than just power and athleticism. Those qualities got her onto the national team, pushing sleds for the likes of Kaylee Humphreys, but she's also proving she's got the skill and mental strength to be at the controls. Um, I know there's that common belief that there's things that you know we don't do and sometimes these are things that even as black people we we kind of just jokingly say but some people might hold true to that and I'm trying to dispel those archaic stereotypes that you know black people are capable of doing anything they set their minds to and can be just as successful as the next person. With the Beijing Games just weeks away, Appia is confident her Olympic experience this time will be much more enjoyable. For someone who's overcome such adversity, she's truly thankful to be enjoying life in the fast lane. We can get to toboggan, essentially, is what we're doing for fun. Not many people can say they get to do what they do um, and enjoy every aspect of it, the good and the bad, because... I think the bad helps to really, you know, drive up the fun that you have when the times are good. Unfortunately for Appia, she did not compete in today's World Cup event in Latvia because she and most of the Canadian bobsled team are in COVID protocols. The only Canadian woman who didn't test positive was Alberta's Christine De Bruin, and all she did was go and win the monobob race, her second straight gold medal in this event, and De Bruin now takes over first place in the World Cup standings from Cynthia Appia. Justin, uh, Justin Cripps rather, of Summerland and Ryan Summer finished fourth in the men's two-man event. And Premier League soccer today, Arsenal hosting first place Manchester City. Arsenal the better team in the first half. 31st minute, beautiful ball through to Bukayo Saka. Slots at home inside the post. 1-0 Gunners at the half. Second half after a controversial penalty led to the tying goal late in stoppage time. And Merrick Laporte heads it down. Ball falls to Rodri who pokes it in and City wins again. They are 11 points clear of Chelsea. 
atop the table after their 2-1 victory over Arsenal. And Jordan, that is it for sports. Barry, thank you. Just ahead, the Canucks team staffer who is really, really grateful to a Kraken fan. Canucks are about to hit the ice in Seattle, and before the game, one member of the Vancouver team got to meet a very special Kraken fan to thank her in person for a chance encounter last year that proved to be life-saving. Kristen Robinson reports. But then Thatcher Demko right here. When the Seattle Kraken played their first ever home game last fall, the best save for the Canucks may have been off the ice. She's a hero, She and, and her persistence. More than two months later, the team tweeting an open letter from its assistant equipment manager, Brian Red Hamilton, hoping to find a very special person who changed his life back on October 23rd. I'm walking off the bench and <clears throat> she put her phone up to the glass and on the phone it said, the mole on the back of your neck is cancer. And it... It threw me off. Social media scored. The mother of future medical student Nadia Popovich identifying her daughter as the hero Kraken fan. The mole just kind of caught my eye and I immediately noticed that it had all the hallmarks of uh, melanoma. It was uh, had an irregular border, it was pretty large in diameter and kind of discolored. If that was my dad, I would want someone to say something. Uh, and so I, I kind of caught him in a semi-private moment. I felt bad because I felt like I didn't really give her the time of day. I did, I got scared right off the hop. Um, and I knew she, I, in the back of my mind, I knew she was right. Hamilton saw a doctor who confirmed Popovich's instincts. It was malignant melanoma. The words out of the doctor's mouth were, if I ignored that for four to five years, I wouldn't be here. His cancer cured thanks to early detection. Me and my mom have been just just in tears because it's it's such a rare and special thing that this happens and you actually get to get some resolve. How he said he regretted kind of shrugging me off, I kind of regretted showing him my phone. Now she has no regrets about sharing her gut diagnosis. She extended my life. She... She saved my life. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Amazing. And the two just met a few minutes ago, and we'll have video of that coming up at 11. But before we go here, last word on weather, Yvonne. Active weather, it's going to kick up, especially overnight. We're going to see snow, risk of freezing rain, and then changing over to rain. But it's really higher elevations and extending in towards the Fraser Valley that will continue to see snowfall upwards of 10 and 15 centimeters. Be prepared. Also very blustery, so a winter storm as we get in through tomorrow. And that is tonight's news hour. Happy New Year and good night.